We're, uh, I've got about uh, 15 to 20 minutes here. I've got three points, that's all. Uh, so if you're thinking, oh, when's this guy going to be finished? You've got about 15 to 20 minutes. So uh, just hang in there. So uh, when you have your eye on something, who's ever really, really wanted something? Like you, you think about it all the time. Uh, you plan for it. You look forward to it. When there's something you really want, oftentimes you go to extreme measures to get it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in love. I won't ask you to put your hand up. <laughs> but uh, when you're in love, you know that, that sometimes you do extreme things to spend time with that person. If anybody knows what I'm talking about. As you know, I've, someone once said, love is blind, but marriage is an eye opener. <laughs> but before you get married, and hopefully when you're still married, uh, you, you do some crazy things sometimes to spend time with that person. I remember when Nick and I were dating. Uh, I was at Bible college at the time. Uh, I was about 21 years of age. Nick was about 18 at the time. She was 17 when we started dating. Um, but uh, uh, we, after church on a Sunday, I'd drive her home, and then we'd sit out in the car just talking for hours. Remember that? <laughs> Vaguely, she says. But, um, and, and Mondays, I always used to have to work. Mondays was my day off from college, and I would work Mondays. And I always had to start work at, I think, 7 or 7.30. So it was early in the morning. And we'd be up talking to like 2 o'clock in the morning. And Nick's dad would come out of the house and go, you guys still talking? And, and you just, <laughs> we were actually talking. <laughs> if you had some other ideas. <laughs> but, um, and I would always be so tired on a Sunday night. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got to go to work. But you, you just do crazy things when there's something that you really want. You know, some people, you know, endurance sports are becoming really big. Uh, a lot of people doing uh, extreme sports or, uh, or pushing themselves physically in a lot of different ways. Endurance sports, um, half marathons, marathons are becoming really popular. Uh, there's adventure races, which are also growing in popularity. Long running races. There's one called the Edge of Reality, which is a 50-hour running race. Uh, Hawaii Ironman. There's all these endurance sports. There's all these... Uh, physical challenges that people are, are engaging in. And you ask, well, why, why are you doing it? There's no money involved. Most people don't get any money out of it. So why do it? It's the challenge, isn't it? It's the, it's the achievement. It's the accomplishment of some great goal or some great uh, uh, um, uh, ch challenge or uh, opportunity that comes before you. And it's the joy of overcoming that. It's the joy of completing that. It's the joy of, of mastering that. That is what gives you that sense of achievement and joy. And that's why people do it. I, I've done a few myself. And it's just a great feeling when you complete something like that. Some others make great sacrifices for their children so their kids can have a better education, working numerous jobs at night, shift work, collecting money, trying to raise money so the kids can maybe have a private school education so that they might have a better opportunity than you received when you were growing up and great sacrifices are made. Now, 
If there was no purpose to the pain, if there was no reason to the sacrifice, it's very difficult to continue to do that. It's very difficult to keep going hard at something if there's no reason for it, isn't it? To get up early. You get up early for certain things. But if, if it's just getting up early for the sake of getting up early or just working hard for the sake of working hard, you cannot maintain it. It's when there's a goal. It's when there's a vision, whether it is that you see your child, you know, becoming a doctor or a lawyer or having some better education that's going to set them up for a better life than maybe you had when, uh, when you were growing up. It's that goal and that sense of achievement and accomplishment that keeps you doing the things that are not easy to do. They're difficult. They're hard. They're challenging. They're sacrificial. You say, what's that got to do with Easter? Well, the Scriptures say in Hebrews 12 too, that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. The cross was not the goal. That cross, just getting to the cross, was not the goal of Easter. It was not the goal of Jesus. It says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He went to the cross because there was a purpose. He went to the cross because he had a vision. He went to the cross because he saw that as a means to an end. The joy set before him. The thing that made the cross worthwhile, the most painful, excruciating, most malicious, maligning idea that a human being could ever come up with to kill somebody was the cross. And yet Jesus is willing to go there, not for the sake of going to the cross, but because he saw something. He saw something on the other side of his suffering and his death on that cross. And I want to talk about three things that he saw that made him want to endure that death, and ultimately that resurrection. Number one, when he saw you in a relationship with God. The Bible says that every human being had been separated from a relationship with God directly through sin and wrongdoing. started with Adam and Eve. We all carry that DNA within us. And there was a barrier. There was a void, a disconnection between humanity and God. And that void needed to be Crossed and that connection re-established. Nick and I were watching a movie the other night. Twins. Who remembers Twins? Danny DeVito and um, what's the other guy? Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's him. Anyway, great movie. I think it was like the 80s or something. It's like 30 years old. I was like, you're kidding. But anyway, in that movie, if you remember the movie, Danny DeVito was a bit of a criminal type personality. And he was in jail at the time, and Arnie was looking for his lost brother, and uh, they were twins. Anyway, he goes to the prison where he is to get him out of prison, and you may not remember the scene, but you've seen in other movies where there's a glass wall. Anybody seen that glass wall? And there's normally people queued up, and they've got chairs there, and normally there's a telephone, and you can talk to the person on the other side. Who remembers or seen that, that scene or that situation? That's a little bit, when I was thinking about it, that's a little bit like what had happened. There had been a, a wall set up between us and God. And you see in the movies where oftentimes if there's a loved one on the other side and they put their hand up like that, they can't actually touch the other person, but they both put their hands on the glass. Has anyone ever seen that? Such a touching moment where they're like, I'd love to embrace you. I'd love to touch you. I'd love to hold you but I can't because there's this wall and they put their hands up against the glass like that that's exactly what had happened between us and God through sin and wrongdoing and Jesus said 
that there has to be a payment made to remove that wall, that glass wall, that barrier between us and our connection with God. God wanted to embrace you. God wanted to hold you. God wanted to have you in His world and in connection, but sin had removed that relationship and set up a barrier. Jesus Christ was willing to go and suffer that death and be risen from the dead because God loved you so much and me so much that He wanted that relationship restored. He wanted us to have connection. <laughs> Ephesians 1.11 says this, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eyes on us. Before you even heard about God, before you ever entered a church, before you ever read a Bible or got spoken to about the Scripture, the Bible said, says here that God had already seen you. He'd already formed you. He'd already had His eye on you. And He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. A design for you for a glorious life. And he knew that without removing that barrier, that was not possible in this world or in the next. And so Jesus, for the uh, first reason that he went to the cross and endured that cross, the joy that he saw was you restored into relationship with the Father through his sacrifice and resurrection. Number two, he saw you living with purpose. He saw you having a life with purpose, a life with significance, a life with value, a life that was not just an existence but was living. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. Everyone say run. run. With perseverance, the race marked out for us. God has a purpose for your life. It is not a coincidence. It is not happenstance. It is not uh, a lucky fluke that you are on the planet. God has a purpose for your life. We can live our lives just focused on our own personal goals and our subjective agendas. We can go through our life just spending it on ourselves or we can spend some time actually discovering the reason that we're here and what that purpose is that God placed within us when He first set His hope upon us and put us in the planet. That's what we discover. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why He rose again so that you might know the reason for your being, that you might know the purpose that you're on the planet and then you might live and run that race with all your might because that's where significance comes from. That's where value comes from. That's where purpose comes from. That's where it all is. We spend all our time trying to get these things that we think are going to make us feel better, going to give us value and significance and purpose and hope. They come through relationship, the relationship that we have offered to us in Jesus Christ. You know, uh, and so we live a certain kind of life and if we're living selfish and inward orientated and just living for ourselves, our own desires, our own goals, our own hopes, uh, our own success, then we limit our life compared to the life that Jesus has designed you to live. I see it uh, as uh, our potential in our life a little bit like the Japanese carp. Who's heard of the Japanese carp? The Japanese carp, which they look a little bit like a goldfish. You may have seen them in some fish ponds. But the Japanese carp has the ability 
to, to grow into the potential of the environment in which it's placed. And so if you put it in a small fishbowl, which many people do, the Japanese carp will grow to about five centimetres long. That's about as big as they get. If you put them in a small fishbowl, many people have them as, as pets in their home, keep them in small fishbowls. But if you take that Japanese carp and you, you put it in a lake or you place it in the ocean, that Japanese carp has the potential to grow to 1.5 metres long. 1.5 metres is its complete potential. But because of the environment that it may be placed within, the limitations that are placed within it, because of the environment that it's put in, it grows to five centimetres. Did you know when we, were, when we just focus on ourselves, when we just think about our own life and what we want and, and consume it on just trying to get our own advantage, we limit our life to the five centimetres of existence that you've been given. But when we open up our hearts to God, when we open up the Scriptures and begin to see the potential and the purpose and the reason for our life and what God has placed within us and what we are able to achieve when we allow God to move in our world and expand our thinking, open up our hearts to actually embrace the, the world, embrace life, embrace other people. We can grow from a five centimetre life into a, a life that's one and a half metres long. Life is for living. Life is for living through the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. That's what life's all about. Until you begin to discover the life that Jesus has for you, you'll never know the potential that you'll have. You'll never know what God has in store for you because you're living a five centimetre existence when you, act, when you could be a metre and a half. You could be 1,500 metres. No, not 1,500 metres. That's a big carp. <laughs> 1,500 centimetres. Oh, but listen to me. This is what the Bible says. You can't take a hold of what God has for you until you take a hold of what God's done for you. You can't take a hold of what He has for you until you take a hold of what He has done for you. What He did upon the cross... When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour and open up our lives to Him is when we begin to see, experience and obtain all the potential that God has placed within you. Your purpose, your destiny, your reason for being on the planet. You can't do it on your own. Yes, you can accumulate large amounts of money. You might even have a family and have some great trips and, and do some awesome things. But that's not the purpose of life, is it? The purpose of life is discover why we're here and what we're meant to be doing. Does that mean it's bad to accumulate money? No, not at all. Does it mean it's bad to have a good car? No, not at all. A nice house? No. No, the Bible says God wants you to be blessed. But when those things become the purpose of our life, when they become the focus of our life, when they become the intention of our life, we are living so far beyond and below the reason that God has you on the planet to make a difference in this world, to bring significance and value to not just our world, but other people's. That's when you truly are alive. That is when you're living. So the second reason uh, he saw you living with purpose, God-given destiny and running that race, that's the reason he went to the cross. And every time we fall short of that, every time we put that to the side, we are wasting that opportunity to 
experience that kind of living. And number three, not only did he see us restored in our relationship with the Father, not only did he see us living a life full of purpose, full of value and significance through Jesus Christ, but he saw you thriving in that life and not just surviving. Many of us, many people have died before they're buried. They have died before they're actually buried. They've died on the inside. They're still walking around, dead men, dead women walking. Hope has died on the inside. Hope has died on the inside. Any sense of purpose or reason for being can die on the inside through experiences, through situations that we encounter, through broken relationships, through things that happen in life can kill life on the inside of us where we're alive but we're not living. Jesus Christ came because this is a broken world and bad things happen. It's not the way God originally designed it. We turned it this way. We turned away from God. We created the world that we've got with all the brokenness and all the drama and all the death and all the hostility and all the illness and sickness has all come because of our decisions in the life. God didn't design it that way, but he didn't want it to stay that way, which is why he came and died upon the cross to break the power of sin and death in the world. And through his resurrection, even though we may experience loss, even though we might experience hopelessness at times, we might experience pain, we might experience suffering, we might experience grief and all these emotions that life dishes out, sometimes at the least, the most unexpected time, Jesus Christ and his resurrection, he comes and says, if you accept me and you take a hold of me, even though you may experience these things, I'll bring life again back into your world. Hopelessness can be replaced by hope, a a sense of um, lack of vision or purpose or reason for being can be filled again, can rise again through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the power of God to bring dead things alive. And if you've had hopes, dreams, ambitions, life itself seems to have lost its luster and you're just waking up each day thinking, why am I here? You know, suicide is one of the biggest killers in our country. Can you believe it? People thinking there's no more reason to live. So I might as well just end it. A sense of hopelessness. And some of these people have got money. Some, of them are the, some, some, of the, some people are professionals. You think, wow, they've got everything. Everything that, li- that the world says is what's going to make life worth living They've got it, and they're still taking their lives. What does that tell us? It tells us that that's not where it comes from. <clears throat> it comes from inside. It comes from discovering value, significance, and purpose, not because of our bank account, not because of our street address, not because of the country that we're born in or the color of our skin. We have value. We have dignity. We have purpose because we're made in the image of God as a human being. The Bible says you have the imago Dei. The image of God is stamped upon you as a human being. And because you're made in the image of God, you have value. Because you're made in the image of God, you have 
uh, significance. Because you're made in the image of God, life is worth living. That's what the Bible promises. That's what Jesus promises, that we're living life, we're thriving in life, and not just surviving in life. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you. God's at work in you. To will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. God and the potential of heaven, when you ask Christ into your life, is all there. And some people say, well, I've asked Christ in my life and my life hasn't really changed. When Jesus Christ comes into our life, we have the potential to change our life. He gives us the power to change. He gives us the power to make new decisions. He gives us the power to break the hold of the past, break the hold of fear, doubt, unbelief, the things that have held us back, experiences that create uh, obstacles in our mind to break the power of all of that and take hold of our future free and fresh and, and, uh, and without bondage. Without bondage, thriving in life. For it is God at work in you. You know, human progress does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability. Just because you ask Christ in your life does not mean your whole life's going to change. You have decisions to make. Jesus doesn't do everything for you. He says, I'm offering you a new life through my crucifixion and my resurrection. I am offering you the life that I have destined for you to have. I lay before you heaven and hell, life and death. Through His, through his resurrection, through His death, He says, here it is, you choose. It's your choice today. A transformed life does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability. It lays within your heart. It lays within your life. It lays within your hands to make a decision to choose life, to make a decision to choose Jesus or to reject Jesus, to choose heaven or to reject heaven, to take a hold of God and His purpose and His destiny for your life or to say no to God and to choose to continue to live your way and live a five centimetre life for the rest of your life, your existence, living for yourself and not taking a hold of everything that God has done for you and laid out for you in Jesus Christ. This Easter, I want to encourage you to be the person God has destined you to be. I want to encourage you to take hold of the offering that Jesus makes to you and to me and to every human being. Why? Why has He offered it? Because you're made in the image of God. The Imago Day is stamped upon you. Stamped upon you from birth. That gives you value, dignity and purpose. That's what makes you valuable. That's what makes you important. And I would love you to choose life. I would love you to choose Jesus. I would love you to choose what He offers for you today. If you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to choose that today. Maybe you've walked away from God for whatever reason and it doesn't really matter. But today you're saying, God, I want you in my life. I want to know what you have in store for me. I want to know why you have me here. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the, that's the Easter message. 
So as I finish this message right now, if we can uh, close our eyes and bow our heads. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour, you've never prayed a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you and I want to know what you have for me. If you've never prayed that prayer, I want to lead you in that prayer today. And the Bible says, if you ask, you will receive. 